page to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. It's good to be home. <laughs> I'm thankful that we can go, but you know how that is. It's when we were coming across the Atlantic and we saw coastline of the U.S., we thought, yay! <laughs> yay! First <laughs> uh, Corinthians 13th chapter, a few weeks ago, at least last time I was with you, we were talking about a series that we're calling Love Over Knowledge. Love Over Knowledge. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we call this the great love chapter, and it is. But it's also the growing up chapter. Uh, quite a bit here about, you know, being a child and, and becoming fully developed. And uh, one thing he mentioned in, in uh, well, he, he talked about the qualities of love, the characteristics of love. And about how love, though many things do come to an end, love never does. And he, he mentions at the end of the chapter three things that never end. And it's, it's love and it's faith and it's hope. The greatest of these, he said, is, is love. And he, uh, he went on to say, verse uh, 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Everybody say, we know in part. We know in part. Say it again, we know, in part. we know in part. How about this, I know in part. I know in part. Help your neighbor out, say, you know, you know. just in part. <laughs> now, what, what does that mean? If, if you only know part, you don't know it all. So let's say it like that. I don't know it all. You don't know it all. <laughs> Man, I'm seeing some looks around here. It's like people are getting a little more animated on the you don't know it all than the I don't know it all. <laughs> well, if, if I don't know it all, I only know part. There's parts I don't know. If, if you don't know it all, you only know part, we should act like that. We should act like, we, we, we should express some honesty and humility in our dealings with people, What acknowledging on a regular basis, I don't know all about this. And what I do know is just what? It's a part of the whole thing. And so you've got to watch about assuming you know more than you do. And that is actually a characteristic of the ignorant, is that they don't realize how much they don't know. They think that they learn a thing and think it's all the things, not realizing it's only a part. And here is someone that God used to pen, what, two-thirds of the New Testament? 
someone who was caught up to heaven, who saw the master. Uh, and he says, we, we just know in part. And so if you do only know partially, you should talk that way. You should act that way. There should be a regular acknowledgement. I'm talking about not, not just going around confessing ignorance, but a walking in honesty and a realization that no matter how much I know about this, there's still a whole lot I don't know. And I should, I should act that way, talk that way. He, uh, he goes on to say, uh, talk about being a child and how when you're a child, you think and act and talk like a child. But then there came a point where you grow up and you put away childish things. But even though you grow up, you still don't know it all. Let's go over that again real slow. <laughs> Say it out loud. I don't know it all. I only know part. Help your neighbors that you don't know it all. You only know part. <laughs> go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, the 8th chapter. <laughs> yeah, y'all enjoyed that pretty good. Eh? You don't know it all. <laughs> well, it is it's scripture. It's true. If Paul didn't know it all, we don't know it all. Just part. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians. If you back up to the 8th the chapter, this wasn't written in chapter and verse. This is a letter to the, the saints, to the church at Corinth. And if you look at the construction of it, you realize that the, the church at Corinth, they wrote to Paul and asked questions. Uh, what about this? And what about that? And is this right or is this wrong? Is it okay to do this? Is it not okay to do this? And you'll find uh, multiple questions and issues addressed and answered by the Spirit of God through Paul in these letters. And here's one of them in 1 Corinthians 8. He said, Now as touching things offered to idols... Why say it like that? Because that's something they asked him about. What about this eating food that's offered to idols? Is it okay to eat it? Is it not okay to eat it? And they're wanting a yes, no answer. And that's not what he gave them. They're wanting, is it right or is it wrong? Okay to do it? Not okay to do it. And he talked, the Spirit of God talked to them about their conscience. And you'll find the conscience is referred to numerous times in the, um, the New Testament. What is your conscience? Well, it starts off with uh, C-O. And, and the Greek word means co. Co seeing or co-knowing I think is my favorite definition what is what is the conscience co-knowing why 
Why co-knowing? Because there's more than one person involved. Hallelujah. There's your consciousness. And being conscious is being aware. But there's someone else inside the believer. Mm -mm. The Holy Spirit. He is real. He is a person. And he will cause you to know. He will witness with or cause you to know that he's not in agreement with what you are thinking. Uh, hold your place there in uh, 1 Corinthians 8. Let's see. Go back to, to Romans, if you would. Hold your place in 1 Corinthians 8. In Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, he said, uh, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. All this language is significant. Now, one thing, notice how he starts out with this. I'm telling you the truth, and I don't lie. I lie not. Any type of dishonesty damages your conscience. Now, maybe we'll get to some scripture, but actually 1 Timothy 4 talks about that. We'll see it in a bit, perhaps. But uh, dishonesty is the big, big problem here. And when we say dishonesty, we're talking about you being dishonest with yourself. Not acknowledging what you know. Not acknowledging what you see, pretending you don't know it. And you can fool other people about your ignorance. But you can't fool God. Ever. (laughs) Right? All things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He sees right through all any facade, any fakery, phony stuff. He looks right down in your heart and he knows what you know and what you don't know. He knows. And he is, God is so gracious. If you don't see and don't know, he is merciful and long-suffering until you do. Hallelujah. He, he is so kind. He is so good. He knows if you really don't know then you are, even if you're doing something wrong, you're doing it ignorantly. He knows that. 
and he, he'll spare you and have mercy on you because he's looking at your heart. And you can be, here's the thing, you, you can be wrong in your head and right in your heart. <laughs> Paul said that he got mercy of the Lord because he did what he did in persecuting the church. He did it ignorantly in unbelief. You see, when he was, he was dragging people out of their homes and he was holding people's coats and agreeing and giving his witness when Stephen was stoned, he thought he was representing God. He thought he was protecting the law of Moses. And he said, he said, I got mercy. Hallelujah. Instead of him being destroyed, God knew us. He knew. He knew what was going on. And when uh, he, he manifested himself to, to Saul on the road to Damascus, and Saul said, uh, who are you? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Lord, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you're basically trying to stamp out, whom you're persecuting. And man, he hit his face and he got saved. Hallelujah. And he's a changed man because he really didn't know. And there are a lot of people in that same boat. There, you know, we, we've had people that have fought, fought us and said ugly things about us. And, and, and then years later come back and say, oh, God, <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were a crook. I thought this. I thought the other. And um, I just believed what somebody else said. And I never even checked it out. And I didn't know. And, well, that's why you got to remind yourself when you hear things and see things, I don't know all about that. And in many cases, I don't know anything about that. And many times, even though people tell you something, you still don't know anything. Oh, come on. Did y'all hear that or not? They may tell you all kind of stuff and you still don't know anything because they didn't know what they were talking about. And this will help you not to judge. Phyllis and I do this all the time. Something will come up, and it may be obvious, whether it's our own people, whether it's our own staff, whether it's our own partners, our own ministry friends, whoever it is. It may be obvious that what was said and done was wrong is contrary to the word. But we immediately think, well, we don't know what led up to this. We don't know their hearts. Right? We, you got to remind yourself, I don't know about this situation. I don't know. And even when you find out quite a bit about it, you still only know part. So uh, he said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness. In the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? You've got, you've got your conscience, your consciousness, but also you've got the Holy Spirit inside you bearing witness with your consciousness. 
Sometimes people say, you know, uh, uh, where do you, how do you live? Well, I, I live alone. Not if you're a believer. <laughs> I said, not if you're a believer. You don't live alone. Somebody else, a very real person, lives inside you. Somebody say it out loud, I am not alone. I, I am never alone. You hear people say some dumb things. They say, well, every, everybody dies alone. I ain't dying alone. No, sir, no, ma'am. Uh-uh. The Holy Spirit is with me. And the scripture said that, uh, you know, uh, the Lord will receive us to glory. Nah, there will be the presence of God. There will be my angel. Be just a regular party. <laughs> I'm not dying alone. I'm not living alone. I'm not dying alone. The Lord is with me. Oh, somebody say, the Lord is with me. His Spirit is with me. Hallelujah. He's with me. And this is how Christians are supposed to live. That at every juncture, every decision, every choice, we don't do it like the world does it. We don't just analyze reams of data. We don't just form committees and vote on everything. We don't just ask everybody what they think we should do. What do we do? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. What does that mean? Okay, Lord, what do I do here? Now, it's okay to use your mind and find out things and Read or study or ask or do some research. That's okay. That's fine. That's good. God gave you a mind, gave you a brain. Use it. But when it comes time to make the decision, what you're going to do, you don't base it on your head. Not head-led. Not people-led. Not circumstance-led. Not pressure-led. Not price-led. Not fear-led. But spirit, oh, somebody's getting this in here today. Spirit led. Somebody say, I am led by the Spirit every day of my life, every day, every night, every situation. I am led by the Spirit within me. Hallelujah. As you think about, let's say you you got a choice. You go this way or you go that way. You do it or you don't. And what you do is you, you ask the Lord. Ask him, Lord, show me what to do. What's, what, which way should I go? And make up your mind, I'm not going to be led by what I see. Hmm? It may seem obvious, this or that, but that's walking beside. Because there are things you don't know. Yeah. Oh, come on, help me, church. Hmm? Like the future. Huh? How much do you know about the future? But the one inside you 
knows. He knows the future. And part of his ministry to you, show you things to come. And so you say, Lord, which, which way? So you think about doing this. And as you think about it, you're checking your heart, checking your heart, checking your heart. But you're looking for somebody else. <laughs> huh? And if your your heart's leaning towards doing it, okay, but I'm looking for some I'm looking for another witness. Come on, can you see this? And then the one inside you will add his witness to yours and you go, Oh yeah, yeah, we got a majority now. That that's how we're going. But if even if you're in your flesh, you're thinking, yeah, I want to do this, I want to do this, but you can't get him to go with you. You're like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, and you check your heart, and you just, uh, uh-uh, you don't have. In fact, you gotta check, and you don't even know why you gotta check. It looks wonderful, yeah, but you gotta check. Well, you know all you need to know, huh? I said, you know, what what do you mean? We we don't do it. I don't need a reason not to do something. There's a million million things every day I don't need to do. I don't need to be a part of it. I don't need to be involved in it. I don't need a reason not to do something. I need a witness to do it. Now, your friends won't always understand this. Because they make their plans and never even check with God. Sometimes people don't and, and so they want you to do the same. Just because they planned a big deal, that means you're committed to. Uh-uh. That's how you wind up at the wrong place at the wrong time. And the enemy will try to set up some kind of thing to hurt you. I've had ministry friends of mine that got put out with me and they said, well, you know, uh, why wouldn't you be a part of the conference? Uh, you don't like me? You, I thought we were friends. I said, well, yeah, I like you. It's got nothing to do with it. I have a boss. You do too. <laughs> is that right? People act like this is not real, but it is real. I got a boss. Well, why, don't you, why don't you do it? Um, look, I'm not saying you didn't hear from God. If you did, have fun. Do it. But I'm not, I can't get involved in everything I see and hear. I'm not supposed to. I need direction from him. Or elsewise, it won't be right. It won't go right. You know, there's something worse than not having a meeting together. Having one and it not going well. Having issues with each other. Right? That's worse. I said that's worse. There's something worse than not doing something with somebody, and that is doing it when it's wrong and having problems. Sometimes big problems. So everything we do, I, I know people don't understand it always. You're like, well, why won't you do that? That's wrong thinking. I don't need a reason not to do it. I need direction. I need a witness to do it. Because life is short. And every day when I wake up, I only got a certain amount of time, certain amount of strength, certain amount of resources. If I waste them on this that I shouldn't do, I won't have them on this that I should do. Amen. Tricks of the enemy. Amen. Ploys of the enemy. Is it important for us to be led yes. every day? 
Everybody said out loud, I, 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 refuse I refuse to be need led, need led. people led, people led. head led, head led. Fear, led. fear led. I will be, with the Lord's help, spirit led every day. Spirit led, spirit led, spirit led. And involved in this is honesty, he said. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. There is a co-knowing, a, a, another witness inside us. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. First Corinthians eight, would you would you look there again? This is growing on me while I'm while I'm preaching it. But uh, maybe you can come back. And if the Lord comes beforehand, we won't care. <laughs> It is about what we know. And in fact, for time's sake, if I get over there, I'll start preaching on that and it'll take a lot of time. Go to James, James, the fourth chapter. James chapter 4 talks, uh, the last verse, verse 17, talks about sin. Now, sin's an unpopular word. Uh, even amongst a lot of Christian groups nowadays, it's pretty much been uh, done away with. People no longer have sins, they, they have problems. <laughs> problems. <laughs> and. You know, people think, well, it's okay to, to you know, if you got a problem, you just, you work on it. Um, well, they have a problem line, but, but they're working on it. What does that mean? What does that mean? They were lying three times a day, and now they're down to, down to just once a day. What, what does that mean? See, a lot of people aren't, aren't even laughing because they're like, well, yeah, that's, that's real. <laughs> no, no, what that means is that you're sinning and you haven't repented yet. You're playing with it. And so you'll still be dealing with it 10 years from now. 20 years from now, you'll still be lying. There'll be ups and downs and ins and outs. Repentance is a gift. Everybody say that out loud. Repentance is a gift. It's a gift. What is it? It's the grace of God that gives you the opportunity to change. Change. Real repentance involves heart change that results in outward change. No change, no repentance. 
And here notice this verse. He said in, in James 4, uh, 17, to him that knows to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. Now every phrase, every word is significant. Why say it like this? It's either sin or it's not. Right? Wrong. Elsewise, you don't say it like this. If it's sin, it's sin. Whether you know it or whether you don't. Hmm? Mm -mm. See, they asked Paul a question about eating food offered to idols. And what they want is a right or wrong answer. Right? Is it right? Is it okay to do it? Or is it not okay to do it? Is it right? Is it wrong? And he did not give them the answer they asked him for. He mentioned the conscience four or five times in those few verses. The conscience. Why? It gives you insight into what sin actually is. And one definition of sin to me that's one that really helps you understand it. Sin is violation of light. Violation of light. Elsewise, you couldn't use language like this. Put it up again, please. James 5, excuse me, 4.17. To him or her that what? That what? This has to do with what you know. That knows to do good and doesn't do it. What's the next word? Next two words? To him. Why to him? Right? It's either sin or not, right? It's, it's not that cut and dry. Why? With God, it's always about the heart. Always. Man looks on the outward appearance. Not God. God looks at the heart. Man wants to make endless rules about what's right, what's wrong, what's this, what's that, and judge everybody by their established set of rules, set of parameters. Beware. Is everybody listening? Beware of generalizations absolutes and ultimatums. Let me say it again. Beware of what? Generalizations. That's a word, ain't it? Generalizations. What else? Absolutes. What else? Ultimatums. Beware of these. Why? Because you don't know enough to be declaring absolutes and ultimatums. Generalizations. Now if you just get a hold of this one thing this morning and you receive it, it'll change your life. It'll absolutely change your life from this day forward. 
What do you mean? This is one of the biggest tools the enemy uses to create strife and division and hatred and war and destruction. What do you mean? Generalizations. What do you mean generalizations? All white people are that way. How many people did you just talk about? Now, I no longer use the terms white and black myself in, in speaking. I've come, I've come to reject the concept of race, that it is actually the product of the lie of evolution. I am not white. I am beigey something. But that has nothing to do with who I am any more than the color of my eyes or my hair. And you're the same one. But why do I use that term? Are all light-skinned people are that way? Well, you might as well say all blue-eyed people are that way, are just the term, the police. Well, you know how the police are. How many people did you just talk about? And if you you say all the police are this way, you just lied. You don't know, you know, a half a percent of the people you're talking about. Is everybody awake? Are are y'all listening? Well, the Baptists. The Catholics. How many millions of people did you just lump together in one thing? Well, you know how those word and faith people are. (laughs) Those word and faith. No. No. Anytime you hear people make a a generalization and make a statement that all these people are this way, they lied. Every time, every time they lied. Well, all men are like that. And how many men do you know? Out of a population of 8 billion people? Well, you know how women are. <laughs> Let me give you a little tip. Husbands, you don't need to know about women's. You need to know about your woman. <laughs> Same thing, wives. You don't need to learn about men. You need to learn about your man. Your man, he's unique. She's unique. There's nobody else in the world just like them. And you you start with these generalizations. Here's one. The left. Liberals. How many people did you just talk about? Just in our country. Scores of millions. Mm -hmm. And they're all like that? Mm -hmm. They are not. Mm 
You lied if you said so. Do you want to be a partner of the devil's lies? Do you want to be a voice, a mouthpiece that he can use to create strife and division by pushing lies about all these things? And yet, how many times do you hear this terminology? The left, the right, liberals, conservatives, Democrats, Republicans, hmm? the rich, the poor, the this. Beware of generalizations. If you, if you make a change on this, it'll change your life. Because what are you doing? Instead of, instead of agreeing to a deception and becoming partner to a lie, you're staying out of it and saying, no, I don't even know 98% of those people. Is that right? How can I say what they believe and, and what they do? I don't know. I don't know anything about them. Never met them. I don't know. Do you want people to just lump you in with a bunch of other folks and not even try to get to know you? Or? Then don't sow it. I said don't sow it. Even if you've had some really bad experience with some people. And you see some other folk that look and act like them are from the same area or place or background. Have some sense and realize I only know in part. I don't know them. How many know that within the same family? Within the same family. You got people night and day different. On certain beliefs and positions and things. Grew up in the same house. So if, we, if we're going to not judge and not be judged, this will help you tremendously. That you're just constantly reminding yourself, no, I am not going to lump all, all people in a group and say they're that way. That's a lie. It cannot be true. It's a lie, and God won't be a partner to a lie. Now, you're going you're gonna to have to be serious about this. You're going to have to quit, you know, joining in with everybody about the left. The liberals, the Democrats, the Republicans, the... Somebody didn't like that. Well, you can be a partner to a lie then. And you can be part of the problem. But this is what the enemy uses... To lump folks together and lie about them and separate and strive and hate. And he wants war and total destruction. He wants you to actually lump even millions of people together and dehumanize them to the point till they you don't even see them as human anymore. And no two of any of those people are just alike. And why would you be so ignorant? As to try to punish an innocent person for something they, a person they don't even know did. We're really that ignorant? But you've got to be reminding yourself all the time. I don't know these people. Right? I don't know who they are. I don't know what they are. I don't know how they think. 
and you sow mercy and you sow love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know the Lord ministered to Phyllis and I some years ago. I've been in the ministry now over 40 years. And even in the earlier days, uh, I remember I, I went out and ministered one weekend and I came back and some fellow ministers said, I uh, heard you went so-and-so. I said, yeah. They said, man, why'd you go minister to them? They weren't our group. They're a different group. I said, well, uh, they wanted me to come and I, I thought it was great. And the Lord began to minister to me about that. And he actually pointed out a couple of things and he, he showed me, he said, you, you can't talk negative about a group and then uh, them want you to come minister to them. Because things have a way of getting out and getting around. And uh, Phyllis and I actually got down in the, on the floor in our little kitchen there in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And we said, Lord, help us. We are not going to be cliquish. I can have more than one friend in more than one group. And Lord, what I care about is your people, wherever they are, whoever they are. And Lord, help us work in us so that you can use us anywhere with any group of people that you want to. And the thing he impressed upon us uh, strong is you cannot say negative, even in joking, making fun of anybody. And and people do that because they think they will never see these people. Or they'll, you know, they'll never be around them. But what they're not realizing is all you're doing is showing God he couldn't use you to minister to those people. And man, (laughs) things just opened up. Not long after that, we had an invitation come from a group who had never had a guest speaker outside their denomination in 50 years. They asked me to come, Phyllis and I, to come speak in there, one of their big old churches, giant stone, stained glass structure, been there forever. And and, uh, then after they invited me, I think they thought, oh, what have we done? (laughs) Because they... (laughs) Right, they, I was out on the road and they kept getting Phyllis in the office and, and they said, well, uh, uh, when he comes, what's he going to say? She said, uh, I don't know that he knows right now. He's ministering somewhere else. They didn't like that. They're like, oh, he doesn't know. <laughs> and then they said, uh, we need to have a meeting, a committee meeting to see what, to discuss what he's going to speak. <laughs> And she said, I don't know that he'd be available for that. And then they said, and we need to then have a meeting after the service to discuss what was spoken. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) different group. Well, see, if you make fun of that, if you mock that, then you're not somebody God could use. Phyllis was kind with him. She said, "Uh, it'll be okay, I'm telling you. um, he he won't try to do anything to uh, you know disrespect your things or and if there's something specific you want to tell him to watch about tell him when we get there and sure enough we ministered and uh, I gave an altar call at the end for healing and to be filled with the Spirit 
They were not tongue talkers. And uh, people came up to the front. Now, it wasn't loud. It wasn't a lot of dancing and everything. But people came up and the anointing came. The anointing came. And so that Sunday morning, the next Sunday, that was a Saturday night. The next Sunday morning, after the service, my, myself and the bishop, or whoever, we were out on the stoop, you know, shaking people's hands as they come out. And it was, it was so uh, dear. Uh, uh, every, every few people, somebody would come up and, and they'd, they'd lean in and they'd go, I was healed last night. <laughs> I was healed last night. I said, oh, praise God. <laughs> but if you make fun of people, if you judge, if you mock, you're not somebody that God could use to minister to them. Don't you want to be somebody that the Lord could use with any group, anywhere, within you cannot do these generalizations. You can't lump everybody into one thing and say they're all like that because you're already lying. Anybody in agreement with this? Then said out loud, Lord, help me. Set a watch at the door of my mouth. And alert me, lest I speak untrue generalizations, lumping people together that I don't know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What's the next two? Anybody remember those? Absolutes and ultimatums. And I don't have time for that. <laughs> Look at this, this passage in James in closing. I, you said you could come back already. The same idea you'll see in the absolutes and in the ultimatums. It has to do with acknowledging what you don't know. Just like in the generalizations, have some sense. Realize how, what percentage of the 8 billion people on the planet do you know? Then you hardly know anything about humanity. Do not make rash, all-sweeping, all-encompassing statements. It just shows ignorance and foolishness. Be open to let somebody show you something different than how you even thought. Right? Be open. To, to learn, to appreciate. And what you will find. I mean, we just ministered to some, some folks that were from several different parts of the world. And then went to another part of the world and several different parts of the world. And um, you will be enriched. You will see the Spirit of God through this great diversity of expression. And you begin to realize that everything that you thought was God, part of it was, but part of it is just your ways, just your culture. And then you begin to see God moves through all cultures. Hallelujah. And through all different kind of, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, anyway, uh, families and, and groups. And, and um, it, it enriches you. You learn how to say it, uh, sometimes the same thing, but say it a different way. Amen. You learn how to see it 
a more complete way. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's good to get out of your fishbowl. And realize, there's a great big ocean out here. Would you look at this? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and there are some of the most wonderful people. Amen. Some of the most wonderful people in different groups that maybe you thought you didn't share a lot in common with. You'll be enriched. Become open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You'll become enriched. Verse 17, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. Why not just say it's it's sin because he did wrong? No. It's sin to him. Why? Because of what he or she knew. They knew better. And they violated what they knew. Somebody said, well, if somebody else did it, it'd be sin too. Not necessarily. Depends on what they know. Are you all awake? Go to Romans 8. In closing, I think. Romans 8. Actually, let's see. I, I told you wrong. 14 is where I want you to go. Romans 14. Romans 14 says, verse 22, Romans 14:22. It says, Do you have faith? Push it off on everybody else. <laughs> Try to make them believe the same thing you do. Huh? Because they need it. <laughs> uh-uh. No. What? Have it to yourself. Have it to yourself. Before God. Why? They may not be ready for your revelation. You think about this. Some of the revelations you, you're seeing you have now. How would you have received it 20 years ago? Would you have? Hmm? So what? Have it to yourself. Here, you, you'll like this. Help your, help your neighbor out. Say, do you have faith? <laughs> have it to yourself. <laughs> have it to yourself. We'll be trying to push it off on everybody. Why? Happy is he that condemns not himself in the thing which he allows. Why would you condemn yourself? Because of what you know. You know you're either not doing something you know you should be. Are you doing something you know you shouldn't be doing? It's not about what somebody else sees or knows or believes. It's what you You see and know inside you. And you will be happy and free if you keep a clear conscience. If you walk in the light of what you have. 
Here's some really good advice. You cannot live on other people's revelations. I don't care how jazzed and excited they are about it. Hmm? You got to see it for yourself. Inside you. Or don't act on it. Don't do it. Don't try to mimic somebody else's revelation and faith. Maybe it's real to them and it worked for them. But if it's not real to you like it's real to them, it won't work for you the same. And don't judge them about it. Because, you know, who's to say? Maybe they're further out in this than you are. Maybe it is real to them. Maybe God said something to them. So don't judge them. Don't say it's not so. Don't say it can't happen. Don't try to rain on their parade. Don't try to undermine their confidence and faith. But at the same time, if it's not real to you, don't jump in. Don't, Don't try to do the same thing. Isn't that what he's saying here? He's saying happy is he that doesn't condemn himself in the thing which he he allows. Verse 23. He that doubts if he's doing it is damned. That's the word for condemnation. Is condemned if he eats because he's not eating of faith. And this is back to that eating food that was offered to idols. They were dealing with this again. But it applies to anything along this line. What does that mean? They're saying if this person that grew up worshiping false gods and their parents did and their uncles and aunts did and that's all they've ever known in their life and they they went to temple and they worshiped this six-armed monstrosity and, and all this other stuff but now they're saved. Now they're born again and they're told they, these are not gods. They're, they're just nothings and people that are doing it are involved with wrong spirits. Uh, they're not nothing to them. And people say, well, if there's nothing to them, I can eat the food because it's nothing to them. But if somebody else that has said they have faith pushed them to go ahead and eat, and they're thinking, ooh, that's offered to God is such and such. And while they're eating it, it's bothering them. They are sinning. Because they are violating their own conscience. Come on, can you see that? Is the other person that's eating it sinning? I don't know that they are. If it's not bothering them, if they don't feel that it's wrong, then it's not. Sin to them. That's why James says, to him it is sin. He that doubts is condemned if he eats. Because he's not eaten in faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Put up the Amplified if we have that. This is more detail on the understanding of living by faith. We don't just get saved by faith. The just shall what? Live. That's every morning, afternoon, every night, everything we do, we are to do in faith. And if I can't do it in faith, don't do it. Why? Because you've got questions that you're not doing the right thing. And when you're doing it without a sense, let's read this. It says, whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. 
whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God. That's clarity, isn't it? Without a conviction of its approval by God. If you say, well, I don't know if it's wrong. I don't know if it's right. Well, then you can't do it without sinning. You got to get settled in order to move forward. And what's the thing about the clear conscience? Every day you got decisions to make. And this is the only way you can get it right is by being led by the Spirit. And He communicates to you through your conscience. And if you don't keep that clear, then the direction of God's not going to be clear. The waters will be muddied, and that's the way it is with many believers. If you want to be clear, you have to pay attention. When you miss it, repent. Fix it. When you know to do something, do it. Come on, you see this? And when you do that, you keep your heart clear. Then even when God whispers something to you, it's, super, it's crystal clear. That's the way to live. Amen. Not confused. Not wondering. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Nobody knows. You can't live your life on other people's revelation or other people's faith. You got to pray for yourself. You got to seek God for yourself. Come on, y'all listening? And then you can only listen for you inside you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He shall direct your paths. What does that mean? You'll wind up at the right place at the right time with the right thing to say, the right thing to do. It'll work out right. It'll work out good. You'll be praising God and he'll get the glory. The just live by faith. Stand on your feet, everybody.